Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life and the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 117, we talk bonded, fuzzy, and centered. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. The hey, bass is thumping. Hey. <laughs> the bass is thumping it. today. I feel it. <laughs> Come on. L- listen here. <clears throat> that was not a difficult intro. No. No. I, I don't know what happened. Um, it, it's it's in the afternoon for us here, right? Right. Yeah. That's so, all good. Yeah. We, we have the coffee. You know, we're you good. got your coffee. I don't have mine yeah. yet. I'm, I need it. But we, we, we did some things earlier today, and then we went back to the office, and I had about a two-hour stretch there, and I'm just pounding, boom, 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 boom. I'm realizing, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I got plenty of time, whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm, I need to get up and eat. It's like 1.20. So I'll go down there, and I have my hot buffalo chicken salad. Oh, and, nice, um, nice. Didn't drop me, but I'm socializing with yeah. people down yeah. there. Yeah, you know, sure. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, it's 1.55. Ah. I still got eight pieces of hot chicken left in this salad. Yeah. And I'm cramming down. And so the whole time I'm reading, the, doing, doing this intro, can you hear it in my voice? Yeah. It just doesn't feel just like. A little, but a little spiciness know, there? It's spicy on the lips. I got yeah. lettuce hung up yeah. in the throat. I mean, it's a whole thing going yeah. right now. Wow. But you well, know, I was Welcome to the here. podcast, That's everybody. That's a word picture, everybody. <laughs> Clear your yeah. throat. That's okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm thinking to myself. I, I you couldn't know. during the intro. I'm like, oh. Yeah, but I'm thinking, you know, when we started this thing um, out a couple of years ago, yeah. um, we kind of divvied up. I do nothing. You do the board, <laughs> and you do the intro. Amen. And Thank it's you. worked out well. You know, <laughs> no, it's worked out, out well. It's, you know, you've got cl- the voice. It's a team. You've got the voice. It's a team. I That's just right. like uh, contribute once in a while to the <laughs> conversation, and I, I got the sweetest part of the deal. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. infectious laughter. You forgot infectious <laughs> laughter. Infectious yeah, laughter. I had a, I had a listener. We had to tone it down a little yeah, bit over, yeah. the, over the years. I had a listener right? call yeah. the other day. Man, he's got a boom. Yeah, <laughs> I said we we push him three feet back, back from the mic. Yeah, but, yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's well, funny. Hey, we all we, we all, all have it. our gifts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I'm Many working members. through it. Here. You're working through yeah. it. Yeah, is that uh, an Angry yeah. Joe's it, thing or is that a, something huh? else? The salad. Angry Joe. Did you go to? You didn't. No. They don't have a salad there. Do they, they do. Really? Yes. No, I didn't. Pieces go. of hot chicken on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize they had that. I had hot Kelly's. Hot Hot Kelly's. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to my wife. Appreciate the lunch. So just just a matter of point of Uh, clarification. Anything different about, I mean, the Angry Chicken or whatever it is, Angry Joe's, I mean, in the inside? I mean, they spent... Six months shut down. Uh, this is a local chicken place. Local here chicken place. Super, yeah. super But it hot. is a franchise. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah, get yeah. the mild and you're still going to yes. need yeah. a It'll light 64 you ounce. It'll light you up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, they, they have like a whole nother section now where they're offering those teas, the, the bobo. Oh, the bubble teas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They have they have Bubble a, tea. They have a whole section of bubble tea. <laughs> In there, is it, that's the difference. That's what we waited I, six months right. for. We really yeah. need to get to the conversation because it's much more important. Than oh this. yeah, for but, sure, for sure. But my my image or my picture of bubble tea is being in New York with all my kids, and we're walking around through Chinatown, and my 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 son is enjoying blowing the bubbles through a straw at his sister's yeah. walking down through Chinatown. <laughs> so that's the, that, that's the bubble uh, tea part. You yeah. Know? So yeah. Yeah. That's a well, interesting. They've got it know. there. Yeah, it's probably $15. That's right. Yeah. Now it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Next Tuesday night, change your family dinner over there. They'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. absolutely. All All right. Right. Today All we're right. excited to uh, welcome in another guest uh, is uh, Mark uh, Baker. He's here with us today. We're excited to have him and, 
have a conversation about uh, one of his releases that's come out. And Mark is a professor of mission and theology at Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary in Fresno, California. He has served as a missionary in Honduras for 10 years, and he's written a number of books, including Ministering in Honor Shame Cultures and also Recovering the Scandal of the Cross. And today we'll kind of go through a little bit of, of the book called Centered Set Church, Discipleship and Community Without Judgmentalism. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be with you. Yeah, glad to have you What's here. the hot chicken scene like uh, where you're at? <laughs> the, the bubble tea, is that a, is that a big thing? Uh, Fresno is a very diverse place. We have it all. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, really. I think there's, I, I've heard there's a hundred different languages spoken in Fresno, you know, really? like the, really? the school district. That's what, yeah. So, wow. Got it. That's, yeah. That's great. Now you're also a Duke blue devil. Uh, I, I am. Somewhat? Yes. I, yeah. Not die hard on, on them then. <laughs> well, no, you know, when it's March, yes. I pay attention. <laughs> oh, once yeah. a year, once yeah. a year. That's right. Yeah. 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 You know, ACC country this way on the East coast. So we're kind of, we pick up on those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. yeah. Very right. good. That's right. So, well, thanks for being here today as we kind of jump in with our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and your story? Sure. So I'm going to, let me answer that in, in sort of, Two different uh, takes on that. So I'll do very quickly just a brief overview of my ministry history, and then I'll, a little more slowly, a little uh, story that kind of sets up the book. So, yeah, just to give you a sense of um, my father was a camp director, upstate New York, Christian boys camp. And that was where I you know, first got involved in ministry and very shaped by that. I went to Wheaton College, uh, graduated and headed to Honduras. And I taught at a bilingual school in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, served as chaplain at that school, was there for four years, came back to the United States and worked at um, uh, with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So, yeah, thinking basketball, I was at Syracuse University. So I have the the orange uh, yeah, affiliation <laughs> as well. Um, got married in that time. We went to seminary and then back to Honduras, worked with the Honduran equivalent of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And uh, then I that's when I then went to, uh, yeah, headed south. I went to uh, Duke to do my Ph.D. in theology, went back to Honduras. And then I've been here teaching at uh, Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary since 1999. Um, so, as I said, there's a, a, a real quick sort of. Yeah, Mark Baker's journey in ministry. But I'd like to slow down a little bit and and tell a story that, that kind of sets up the book. And it's actually it's the story I start the book with. So uh, this picture of yeah, I'm in the car, six years old, coming home from church on a Sunday morning. I look out the window and I see some people mowing their lawns. And um, and I don't know if I said this out loud or just thought it. But but my my thought was, oh, those people are clearly not Christians because one, they weren't at church, they're out mowing their lawns, but also they're working on the Sabbath day. And so what you see there is, is you know, at the tender age of six, I'm already drawing these lines of distinction between Christians, non-Christians, or, or good Christians and not so good Christians. Um, and that continued. And, you know, then high school, I'm a bit more sophisticated um, but yeah, I had my list of things of, uh, you know, I didn't drink, smoke, uh, swear. I didn't steal on the job like the other people at the chicken restaurant I worked at. Um, and, hey. uh, just trying to make connections. There. That's right. That's good. So, That's good. Um, 
Yeah, but and then what, so what I did is I walked around with this attitude, again, of seeing that, you know, I see someone doing those things and, well, yeah, they're going to the dance. They're not a Christian or not a very good one. Um, and then I had this 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 clashing moment that I, I headed off to Wheaton and Wheaton is, uh, you know, it's a it's a solidly evangelical school, but draws from lots of denominations. And so, you know, people had their had different lists of rules. And so there were some friends that I was praying with and were having a really uh, significant spiritual uh, influence on my life. But they had a different set of rules. And yeah, in when they weren't at Wheaton, you know, they went dancing and uh, and some of them drank. And and so in according to my system, like they're not Christians or, or well, not very good Christians. But in reality, I was experiencing like they were closer to Jesus than I was. So this created this, you know, this moment of upheaval in my life. And I, you know, reading Paul and texts about, uh, you know, food offered to idols and that kind of thing. And I. I decide, yeah, I'm way too legalistic. And so I go home at Christmas break and I sort of confront my parents and say, you know, we're we're just really too legalistic and this is too judgmental. We need to stop this. And I noticed, though, what I'm doing in the moment um, and I wasn't, you know, sort of pointing my finger at my parents. But in essence, I'm telling my parents, hey, like you're off base. We need to be good Christians. Stop this legalism. Um, and I thought I had at that point, I sort of stepped away from that. Not that I went out and, you know, sort of breaking all the rules, but I, I didn't hold them as legalistically in the way I was looking at other people. But what happened? Um, I was I had this new line now was, are you legalistic or not? And I'm on the good side of that line. And I saw other people on the bad side. And then, yeah, I headed off to Honduras and a whole new set of um of things that I came into in my faith of yeah, being concerned for the poor, seeking to live more simply to help the poor. Um, and yeah, a, a broader sense of, you know, not just um, saved, but Lordship of Jesus. And uh, yeah, and I could go on these different things that I would, I, I, there were, there were new lines for me, new ways that I would discern, am I a good Christian or not? Are these other people or not? And again, I thought, you know, I've left my legalism way behind. But then, um, and I won't get into the details of how this happened, but I was in a Bible study and I came to see, oh, actually, I have just exchanged, you know, one um, means of this line drawing for another. And at that time, I didn't have the language of um, bounded set and centered set fuzzy, but that was the moment of realization of the problem wasn't the legalism or not the content of the line, but it was this this sense of drawing lines judgmentally that put me on the good side and others on the bad. Oh, and and also I suffered the same thing in Honduras. You know, there are people of other persuasions that viewed me as the one that was on the wrong side. Um, so that's um yeah, that's the story that the book is rooted in, in one sense. Although, as I said, I didn't have the language for that until years, uh, years later. What was the, what was the tension like for you as you started realizing those things? I, I think as we grow, we develop, we, we, we start catching those things about ourselves. And then we start wrestling with the guilt. Well, I can't change my mind that way. Or how come I'm facing this struggle? Or it's always been that way. So am I, am I going against what, 
what God is saying or what I've known. I mean, there's that tension in that story that you talk about when freedom starts to open up. How, how was that? Yeah, no, I, um, I, for me, the tension, yeah, I, I was a pretty confident type. And so when I latch onto a new rule, I, I, yeah, I was pretty judgmental um, towards others. I mean, I can remember sitting just with disdain of looking at the lifestyle of other Christians after, you know, I read uh, Ron Sider's Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And um, for me, the tension uh, came with trying to live up to my own standards. And, you know, because then I'd start drawing, I'd read a book and I think, oh, yeah, this is the real Christianity. And and I, you know, the, the image I have in my mind is I'm 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 carrying all these boxes of trying to be a good Christian. And eventually I'm going to drop one. So um, I think. Yeah, I I had tension being gracious to myself, which then eventually led to being gracious to others. But um, it was it was through sort of the system itself falling apart for me first, I think. You know, it's interesting you're saying that and I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> why is it that we want to be on the right side of wrong in a sense of judging others? I mean, why is it that we have to villainize? And I don't mean that in, I just, I, I mean, there's there's something ingrained in us and maybe that's part of the flesh and maybe human, human you know, I don't know, but it's, um, I'm thinking why we... I mean, I, I mean, I, I hear that story. I did the same thing. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. talking about being in, in college and, and my first years in ministry, especially. And then you draw those lines and, you know, well, they're not good Christians because they're out mowing the yard, but they're just yeah. good horticulturalists. I'm not. My, my yard is growing up in weeds, but, you know, the standpoint there. But it is, it's the whole thing of, yeah. of creating this, these lines. And so it's like, why do we do that and yeah. waste so much time there? I don't know. Yeah, I grew up in it too, but, uh, you know, our area was like heavily Nazarene influenced. And so, Ooh, there you, go. you know, we were pretty sure everybody else you know, was, <laughs> right. was, yeah. was wrong there. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, this is so funny because uh, I too served on the field and yeah. I, I needed to make sure the other fellas serving on the field were saved first before we yeah. reached yeah. the people that we were there. Yes. For. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely. is ingrained. It is ingrained. Yeah. But there's like security sometimes in that yeah, in a yeah. weird way, you know, yeah. there's, this is my my tribe, my people. Those are not my tribe, my people. And you know, yeah, no, I think uh, security and identity feed this. Uh, I, I think pretty natural thing within us to do us them kind of categorization, um, which yeah, again is is why I felt this uh, these concepts so helpful. Hmm. So yeah. can you can you unpack those concepts a little bit for us about the bounded fuzzy and center churches? Um, sure. That looks and, like? and so, as I said, I, I had had this realization, but this language came years mm-hmm. later and I, I found it. Yeah, I just want to. So this comes from Paul Hebert. He was a missiologist um, and a missionary in India and then later taught at Fuller and at Trinity. Um, and he borrowed this concept from mathematics. And so the basic question is. Um, how does a group uh, discern who belongs? And there's different ways of doing that. Oh, and I should mention here, so for, for listeners, this is a very visual thing. And so what I've done is on, on, on my website, which is centeredsetchurch.com, I've made a PDF. So so podcast listeners, you can pause right now, go, <laughs> go to centeredsetchurch.com, scroll down a little bit, and you'll see a thing that says uh, free PDF or something like that. 
and we'll have these drawings that I'm going to talk about. So Park your car. Park your car first. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so, so as I said, Hebert had these uh, these categories. He b- borrowed from mathematics, applies them to groups, and I'm going to just go right to um, churches. Although you know, there, there's other groups that do this as well. So, a, a bounded church is what I was. Um, so, if you go in high school, later in college. And what it does is it determines who belongs by drawing a line. And so you picture a circle and anyone within the circle is part of the church belongs. And those on the other side don't. And this circle, it can be beliefs. um, It could be, you know, right and wrong actions, but it's things that can be seen, measured. And if you comply, you're in, you're part of the group. If you don't, you're out. And there's a tendency towards, um, yeah, judgmentalism, shaming, um, and it hinders transparency. So, and yeah, so this judgmentalism is a negative thing. And so the, what, what do we do? So if the line is the problem, then in reaction to that judgmentalism, uh, a fuzzy set or a fuzzy church is the response. And so what a fuzzy one is, is it erases the line because it doesn't want to be judgmental. But so a fuzzy uh, church is one that has erased the line, but in erasing the line, it then loses the ability to make uh, yeah, to, to make statements about what is appropriate, inappropriate, what our beliefs are. And with time, a fuzzy church will tend to uh, yeah, lose identity, become loose and not. Um, yeah, and not lovingly confront people when they're off track. So those are sort of on a continuum. On one end is, you know, strictly bounded and and then, uh, yeah, very fuzzy on the other end. And a lot of churches would be in between. Um, but if, if that's all you have, then you're kind of trapped in those two alternatives and they they both have problems to them. So Hebert points to a third option, which is stepping off that continuum. It's a totally different paradigm. And rather than being line based, it's uh, orientation or relation based. And it's called a centered set church. And so what you do here is you define the center. And so for, yeah, for commonality between all of us, we'll say Jesus is our center. So how does a church uh, describe, define who belongs? It's by looking at a person's orientation towards the center. And if they're heading towards the center, if they're oriented towards the center, then they're part of the group. If they're heading away from the center, disinterested, not then they're not part of the group. So this enables a church to still have a a sense of who belongs, who doesn't, to make distinctions. But you don't need to draw a line of judgmentalism because your security is in the center, not in the line. And there is more space for distinctions, for people being in process, being in journey, on a journey because it recognizes all are. So that very uh, yeah, briefly is, is these uh, three concepts and distinctions. So when you saw that um, and you read and you processed the, the, which comes back really to the book and really what led you to it. So what led you, I mean, obviously you encounter this, you're, I mean, just ministry and life in general, but what brought you to the point of, of writing this? Yeah, so I um, so right after I read Hebert's article, I mean, I just latched onto it that this is this is these are great um, images, and I uh, introduced it in the ethics class I teach here at the seminary. I mean, every time I taught it, 
and also, you know, started doing yeah, seminars in Latin America, different places, just talking about this frequently. Um, and so what, what I found, um, yeah, I mean, over time, as people ask questions, I honed my explanations of the concepts, got much better at that. But but frequently my students after, you know, the the hour spent talking about these things, they would ask questions like, OK, Mark, you know, this sounds really promising. But what do you do when? And then they would present to me some situation from their church or they would say, OK, this is good. But, you know, how about church membership? How does that work in a centered way? Or, you know, how do you do recovery ministry in a centered way? And we would ask those questions. Um, I didn't have answers um, and and I didn't have a resource that I could point them to either. And so finally, you know, after after years of doing that, I thought I want to I want to I want to write the resource that I can tell my students. That's a great question. <laughs> Read this book. So but again, I, um, you know, I, I mean, I've had my own experience trying to lift some of this out, but I needed much more than my experience. So I had a sabbatical and I went around and visited um 30 or 40 different leaders in churches and ministries and asked them for their experiences. So these were people that I discerned were trying to do the centered approach. And that was what um, motivated me to write the book and then enabled me to do it was, yeah, listening to their stories and, and um, bringing that into the book of how to live this out. So the crucialness of that conversation today, where do you see that? Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what Brad says is in one sense, we have this within us. Yeah, this us them thing that, um, yeah, that did not start in the current polarized, uh, yeah, context of our, you know, I was doing it as a six year old. But I think it's crucial today because there is a heightened sense of us them, of tribalism, of polarization. Um, so I think it's crucial in the moment for those reasons, um, but it's been crucial for a long time. I mean, I, I use Galatians a fair bit in the book, and yeah, th- this is something that they, they were struggling with in Antioch when these people came from Jerusalem and, and didn't want to eat with the Gentile Christians. You know, it's this is not a new thing. So on one hand, it's a long, it's been going on. Paul was addressing it, didn't use, you know, the bounded centered language, but I think he was advocating for a centered approach. Um, but also, I, I think, um, yeah, so thinking in the, specifically in the church environment, a couple of reasons I think this is really important today is I think there's a, there's a lot of people that are turned off by judgmentalism that they have experienced or that they see in churches, and I just I think it is imperative for us in churches to be offering something else, an alternative. Um, fuzzy is an alternative. And there are, in my perception, more there is more fuzziness in churches or more fuzzy churches today than when I first encountered Hebert's, you know, things 20, 25 years ago. Um But fuzziness is problematic. And so on one hand, I think, yeah, we must offer something different to people than judgmentalism. It's it's turning people off. It's chasing people away from churches. But we need to offer something other than just erasing the line and saying, you know, 
I call it whateverism, just like, hey, whatever, like, you know, anything goes. So for those reasons, I think this is a, a, a crucial topic today. No, it's, I mean, I, I, exactly. And, you know, when I read through it, I mean, I love the book. And and I think I expressed that when we talked last time that um, I just love the way it's patterned, it's laid out in the stories. Um, but I know when people encounter this, they too their first reaction is pretty, I guess, somewhat positive to it. But as they're trying to process it, they're, they're asking lots of questions, like the what ifs, you know, what, yeah. what about this? What about, what are those questions? Like, what are some of the, the bigger questions that you get asked when they're trying to, um, I want to be centered approached in a sense, um, centered set approached, but, um, but what about you fill in the blank? Yeah. So I, um, I think there's a few different types of questions. So uh, a very common question is, well, what's the center? Um, and, and so, and, and I always affirm that question of like, that, no, that's the key question because uh, the, I'm just saying, you know, this is an approach. So you do the center approach, but what the center is, is really important. Um, so in the book, because I want this to be a book that's, you know, that, that all churches can use. I just say, I'm going to, you know, work with, uh, say, yeah, Jesus Christ is our common center, but each church is going to need to work at defining what, you know, what their beliefs are, what their, the center is. Um, and let me, yeah, on that, I want to, a key point in that is, when people ask what's the center, I affirm that and say it is very, very important that the God revealed by Jesus is the center. And you don't end up with a bounded group God at the center. And what I mean by that is if if you uh, if you don't work with people to make sure that their image of God is not a judgmental, accusing, finger pointing God you're not going to have a centered church because if the God at the center is an accusing judgmental God, then that's going to be the character of the centered church. So that's, that's a very common question. What's the center? Um, I think another thing. um, Yeah. Then there's lots of questions just on the practical of, okay, there's, you know, there's this couple in my church there. You know, they're not married. They're living together. What's the centered approach to that? Or, um, yeah, I, I have people that are, you know, struggling with this question. What's the center approach to that? Or as I said, membership. And I won't take the time right now to, I'll say, yeah, that's what the bulk of the book is about. And, but, but I will say in, in, in working on the book, I had first imagined, you know, I'd have like five or six chapters and do case studies. Okay. What do you do in this situation? And I would present the centered approach. But just taking that example, which which came up a lot, talking to people of, oh, what do we do with these people? They're living together, not married. Like there is not one centered approach to that. And in the book, uh, there's probably four or five different answers, different stories of people, churches responding to that. And I'd say they're all centered. So what I came to see was that qualities and characteristics were more important than sort of having your list of this is the centered approach to different things. Um, and we could, we could come back to those if you'd like, but the other, the other group of questions I have 
are more, yeah, I would label these as uh, yeah, sort of doubting or suspicious or a little bit unsure questions. And they'd be more like, um, okay, but isn't it important that we have rules or isn't it important that, you know, some beliefs you really have to have. And so I, I, with that work very hard to say, correct. And it's a fuzzy church that doesn't have those things. A centered church still distinguishes between appropriate and inappropriate and still has values, beliefs at its center. Um, a centered church is not universal inclusion that everyone's in. There are still ways of discerning. And and, and there may be one um, important uh, clarification that I often give that, that, that I'll give here is um, when I say bounded church, I'm not uh, saying that all boundaries are wrong. Mm-hmm. So we as people involved in ministry have boundaries. Um, we have boundaries between, you know, our ministry life and our family life. We keep boundaries in relationship. Um, and the Bible has boundaries between appropriate and inappropriate. But when we say bounded church, it's taking a boundary and using it in a judgmental way of defining in and out us and them. It's it's a pharisaical kind of use of boundary rather than I'd say a Jesus use of boundaries. So the response to the center church, what would be what would be some misconceptions? I mean, you've given some idea to that based on the questions that you're getting, but mm-hmm. as you've written this and gone out and people try to grapple with the language that's being used there, is there a common misconception that comes with it that you've you've heard? Yeah, I, I would say um the most common misconception. Let me cut it that from two different directions. So if you're if you're if you're more of a you know a, from a bounded church experience, then I think when you when people first encounter centered, they can feel it being um, a little too loose. Of like, oh, wait a minute, like you know our beliefs are important, um, and that's that's why I think it's very important to not just talk about bounded and centered, but to talk about bounded, fuzzy, and centered. Because then I can say to people, I am concerned about that as well. Fuzzy is not a good thing and centered is not uh, fuzzy. So from the bounded side, I think a misconception can be it's sort of like anything goes or or it's, you know, it's sort of relaxed. And I uh, in the book, I advocate that I think um, a centered approach actually enables deeper, more profound transformation than abounded. So I think it's more serious, not less. From the fuzzy side, I think there can be nervousness about, oh yeah, this this is there's too much talk here about expectations, about what's right and wrong. And they can think, I'm just getting back into this bounded judgmentalism. And from that side, I think it's very important to say, no, this is not about judgmentalism. We will walk with you. There's space here. We're all on a journey. It sounds. I mean, hearing you talk about it, it sounds like it's it's a call to a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit, to a to a deeper dependence on on the way of Jesus, on the wisdom of God. Um, that if you're looking at bounded and fuzzy, um, 
well, you have those that, you know, anything goes or, you know, yes. we have everything clearly marked out. Right. Um, and, and so it just, just hearing you talk about that, it's doesn't seem uh, loose. It's actually a, a deeper invitation. Uh, some of the discussion that you hear going on in the early church where they say, well, it, it uh, seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> that kind of uh, working through. Uh, yeah. Do, do we, yes. do do we, as followers of Jesus, understand how to move towards sinner, or has our tradition and practices over years kept us bounded per se? I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, and and this is where you know I try to be um, gracious and compassionate because I myself was bounded, you know, for decades, and I don't want to look back and say, "Oh, that was all trash." You know, what a waste. Right. Um, so. I would more say that um, a bounded church mentality hinders what you just said of the journey. It gets in the way of transparency. Um, it, it, it diffuses the importance of journeying because there's a sense, hey, I'm in. You know, I've crossed the line. It's all good. Um, but on the other hand, I'd say a centered approach. Um, well, it's just what you said, Brian. I mean, there there is the necessity of leaning on the spirit of um, of walking in discipleship, of having other people walk with me, because uh, it it's messier. You know, if you've a bounded thing, you have the set of rules that are clear. You keep these, and you're okay. And in a centered church, it's not just we got this line and that's all there is. It requires discernment of walking with people. So I like to say, I mean, I say in the book, it a centered approach prioritizes people over rules and discernment over judgmentalism. Hmm. And be, so you're walking with people of saying, okay, what is the spirit doing in their life? What is God calling them to? Um, what, what, yeah. What do they need to be working on in transformation right now? What's next? Um, and, and that's messier. It requires more um, leaning on. So I think there is a different quality of journey in a centered approach. I, th- I, I just think about that. I, I do. I think people are. Stri- um, I think people are striving to to move in that direction or, or learning how to move in that direction, but feel frozen in that direction. Or sometimes feel fearful, fearful in that direction because mm-hmm. it may open up, it may change a thought. Now that may that's going to bring about deeper relationship to Christ, but it's still for, for many it could still be scary in, in the in the front end of that. So as you're walking somebody in that discipleship path, um, you know, just looking at, at what's the encouragement of that and how do you disciple in that process? Yeah, it's almost as if it is at times. Um, easier to identify with boundaries and rules to define who I am than to pursue a center that in center, not center, C E N T R <laughs> pursue a center that that you require so much more. Um and yeah. it's and I say not in a bad way, but it looks completely different. I can check my boxes off on one and be satisfied that I've met the quota. But the other is like this lifelong pursuit and journey that being transformed and conformed into his image. And 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, the Holy Spirit yeah. and stuff. And so it's like, um, it's like a whole different direction. You know, I mean, yeah. if you think, I mean, about it. So it's like, um, I mean, I always want to steer people to the center. I mean, I think that's, I mean, to Jesus. I mean, that's, I mean, of course you're saying, what is the center? You know, yes. Yeah. You know, but um, rather than you've checked some boxes off, I recently was with somebody and they were talking about how, what all they had done. You know, I walked down the aisle, I made a decision to trust Jesus. I got baptized. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm like, wait a minute. There's, there's more to that story. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's all good stuff, you know, yeah, but yeah. there's more in that story. And it was about checking off the boxes that they had been told um, in previous generations. And mm. it's like, but this is, this is a journey. This is faith. This is, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's, um, and not judgment. And I don't want to be, I'm not judging in, in a sense, but it's like, um, it's, it's wanting Christ. And, I, and like, I like the image of you are moving to that center, you know, you're moving in that direction. But anyway, yeah. um, we talk about this from a church standpoint. We think about the church body and things like that. But I'm thinking about these three, three, three areas. And how does this impact my witness and community in my one-on-one relationships with my neighbor, my coworkers? Like to live in one of these things as I learn to listen to people and, and hear what's happening in their life. How, how have you seen the impact of witness become greater as someone's moved through these processes or more centered? Yeah. So, and again, I think, um, uh, you know, it's not that say, you know, a bounded church and people involved in a bounded church can say, okay, let's be welcoming. Let's welcome our neighbors in, um, and do that with sincerity. It can be a good thing, but the, but the boundedness of the church communicates and it comes through, it seeps out of us. Um, and these paradigms that they have power. So I think a centered approach enables us to, to have less scent of judgmentalism, you know, uh, on us as we're um, engaging other people, inviting them in. Um, and I think they can sense that and will sense that, uh, uh, coming into relationship. So I, I think there's a, there's a quality to it that um, makes a difference in relationship with non-Christians and with um, other Christians. I think it's the comfortability of, of when I'm, I'm living in the center, uh, I know who the center is and I'm in relationship yeah, yeah. with him in the center, but I'm also sitting there in this community not knowing all the answers and drawing lines for people. And that's uncomfortable, right? But that's part of, to me, I think that's part of being in the center. I mean, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they're like, hey, I've got to go see somebody. They're in the hospital, and they're going to make it. What do I tell them? And I said, well, I'm I'm not sure what to tell you, but I am going to say, listen, right? Be present and ask the Holy Spirit. Like what, what's taking place around me right now that speaks a word into it. And and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have a, I mean, I could give you a definite answer, but I'm like, I'm not sure that's what it's about. It's about you going, being present and living in that. And and that's a challenge even for me, Mm -hmm. you know, at times. But is that part of being centered, just that dependency? 
Yeah. I mean, I, in the, in the chapter, I have qualities. Uh, I, so compassion, mm. curiosity, um, safety so that people feel safe to share. Um, but the last two, I think of that chapter are humility and trust. Um, and so I think for leaders in a centered church, um, trust is really big, both in, uh, in the sense of we're, we're trusting God. This is, this is God that's doing this. It's not just some, yeah, some, some lines that we've drawn some box and put out the check. Um, and we're trusting that God is going to work. It's not all, and which, which you just did in a sense of you're sending this person off to the hospital. You're, you're trusting that the spirit will do it. It's not all on, you're, you're not in control. Um, but that's a good thing. And then humility that, um, I'm, yeah, I'm a person in process on the journey myself. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what were those things again that you mentioned in the book? Um, humility. So in, so yeah, it's chapter. And this is where I refer to where I came to see that qualities, you know, it's not just a, here's a, here's a, uh, a strategy, a list of what to do in this situation, but these qualities merit. So compassion, um, and curiosity. So when you encounter someone and this goes along, you know, Galatians six, one. So if, if someone is sin, we'll come alongside them with gentleness, restore them. So have compassion for the person, curiosity about what's going on, what's under the surface. And then, yeah, creating a place of safety where people f- will feel it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, and then, yeah, trust and um, humility. And there may be a, there may be a couple others in that, but those are the yeah. ones that came off the top of my head. They can get the book. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's, yeah. it's right here. It's right yeah, here. So, right. so just kind of as, as, as maybe a thought, um, as we kind of finish up, um, and I know you finish up in the book with an example. I think it was you and your wife in a yes. small group, but it's this idea of giving us an example of what that looks like, um, for, a centered uh, set experience being lived out um, without just without giving you, you probably have plenty of other ones. In, I know you, yeah. But, so, uh, well, maybe one I can give, um, which I, I think is, uh, is involved in that story that I end the book with, but this is much shorter is so, I mean, a, um, a weekly Bible study with some other men and we start each week, by sharing about, yeah, from the week behind, how have you been in line and out of line? How have you been in line with the way of Jesus and how have you been out of line? And we use the word confess. I mean, so we say, um, not that you have to confess something every week, but when we talk about out of line, say, yeah, oh, I need to confess that this. Now, I think you could do that, that you could do that same activity in a bounded church, but there is in this Bible study, I feel a sense of that. Yeah, the safety is there and it's OK to be vulnerable. And we there, there's not a spirit of judging others. Rather, there's what, what I feel often happens is it's I come along, someone confesses and then I. Yeah, I'm struggling with that as well. Or we give words of affirmation and words of forgiveness. So I I think a, a centered approach enables that kind of activity 
um, to happen with more sincerity um, and freedom to speak truthfully than I previously experienced in, in bounded settings where I was much more aware of, you know, what's this guy next to me going to think of me? Um, you know, here I'm a seminary professor if I say that. So that would be, um, yeah, one example from my life of where I'm experiencing this now. That's good. That's good. So how can, how can people connect with the book where if they want to pick up a copy, where can they do that? Okay. So, uh, so first, yeah, the, the website I already said, said centeredsetchurch.com has information about the book, this, uh, free handout. Um, so there, and then, yeah, I mean, it's the university press book. You can get it there or the other places you get things. Um, one other thing I'd like to mention is in addition to the book, I've made a series of videos, which that there's information about them at that same website, centersetchurch.com. Um, so because, yeah, and maybe this is a, a really key point we haven't mentioned. This is not something, you know, a pastor or a small group leader can do himself or herself. Like you, you can't just read the book and then, okay, we're going to do this. The community has to, to be, uh, has to buy into it, has to understand what it is. And so recognizing not everyone's going to read the book, I made a series of uh, six 15-minute videos that like you could use with a small group or something to go over, that introduces the basics of, of this approach. Um, so they're, they're both there on that website. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting with you, how can people, I mean, through the website, I'm assuming, best way to connect with yes. you? Yes, so yeah, I'm at Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary, and my email address is on the bottom of that that handout on the uh, on the, on the the website. Okay. Mark.baker at fresno.edu. Cool. Excellent. Yes. Very good conversation. Yes. Yep. Thank yeah. you. I mean, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate the conversation and... Um, and the insight and uh, good work. And like I said, I read it and I'm like, oh man, I love this. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so how do I put this into practice now? So it's like, look at all the different ways, but it's, um, we've had lots of conversations yeah. about it. And um, so um, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show Thank today. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation and great questions. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and download any of the episodes and rate them. Check us out on the ReimagineCast.com website. For Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast.